Hello, and welcome to the Deadline Detroit podcast. I'm Jeff Watrick, and today in studio is Historic Detroit and the Detroit Free Press's Dan Austin and Curb Detroit's Sarah Cox. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about downtown development and uh, preservation, uh, but first we're going to pay a bill. Scrapbusters owner Bill Wild would like to thank all of Wayne County for 25 years of support. So who comes into Scrapbusters? Anybody that wants to save money. What we offer is a low-cost option for people to fix their cars and keep them on the road. You know, our customers have a blast when they come to Scrapbusters. It's very easy, it's safe, it's clean, and you can save a lot of money. And we just want to tell everybody we appreciate their loyalty and their business. Bill Wild and Scrapbusters, serving the community for 25 years. So welcome back, Dan, Sarah, good to be here. Thank you for coming by. No problem. The building is nice and weird. (laughs) It is. It's a little weird, isn't it? Um, So why don't we start off with uh, the the David Whitney building. Where where is that project right now? Well, it's somewhere in the process of becoming a condo and hotels. And, uh, you know, what's making some people nervous right now is that we haven't seen any renderings of what any of that will look like, but work is well underway. Hmm. Is that... That seems sort of abnormal not to have a, a rendering to the vision to what it's going to look like. I would imagine they exist internally, um, but they haven't been made public. I think one of the kind of uh, what we don't know yet is that the guys behind it, Roxbury Group, have talked about restoring the original facade of the David Whitney. Uh, when you look at the building, you know, it looks fairly modern. That's because during the Mad Men era of the right. 1950s, 19, mid-1950s, they just ripped the classical facade off of it, replaced it with some boring uh, guy. And, and, and the Roxbury groups talked about restoring that. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of people who are champing at the bit to see just how you know, original they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, brick, a lot of bricks are missing from the building. They're doing tuck pointing. Washington Boulevard's closed off with big cranes. Uh, they took down the old David Whitney building sign that had right. been up there since the 50s. So I mean, they're definitely going at it. Um, one of the things that, that makes this renovation so important is is that, again, while looking at the outside of the building, you wouldn't think it's anything special. You walk inside, and it's one, of the, sure. it's one of the most gorgeous buildings on the inside uh, that Detroit has. Um, it's about a nine-story atrium? No, no, no. It's like four or five, I think. Okay. It's been a little while since I've been in there. But all classical, terracotta, Daniel Burnham, uh, up the wazoo. So it's an incredibly important building to restore. And... Um, I'm more eager to see what they're doing with the inside of the building uh, than the out myself. But uh, it should be another linchpin in downtown Detroit's turnaround. Mm-hmm. The, it's interesting about the facade. There seems to be a lot of that in Detroit. I know the the building at Woodward and uh, Grand Boulevard where the police are. I can't mm-hmm. think of the name of it. but It's an old Ford uh, service center. Right. And, building, yeah. and it's like a very generic, like 1970s looking office building from the outside, but then you go in and, and it's gorgeous. I think it's an Albert Kahn. It is, yep. Um, it, it's sort of remarkable that somewhere along the lines we decided that yeah, and the, this is bad, so. Yeah, they just sheathed it. You know, they put something, uh, a new facade over the old, but Detroit has a lot of those. We also have, uh, we had a problem with what I like to call cornice chop. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s, where you walk around downtown, especially down Woodward, and all the buildings look fairly neutered at the top, mm-hmm. and uh, they all originally had gorgeous cornices, but because of both changing tastes at the time, and also because of uh, maintenance issues, the city of Detroit cracked down on people. They wanted to make sure that a chunk of facade didn't clobber some little lady on top of the noggin, so they 
a lot of business owners decided to just take it off. So um, we'll see what the Whitney building, what they're doing. If they go all out, I mean, certainly turning a building of that size around from a, a abandoned building to a functioning building is not cheap. And, you know, where does, sure. where does the exterior facade work fall in the priority list of priorities? And, and Sarah, from a, a business standpoint, what what's, do you anticipate the demand for those units? For the condo units? Yeah. I think people still want to live downtown more than they want to rent hotel rooms, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I imagine they'll do well. They, um, I haven't seen any pricing released. It's typical to just wait and see sure. what the renovations cost before you decide what to charge. There's um, certain logic to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I think the opportunity that they do have um, is, is to make an amazing lobby space in Detroit. You walk into some of the other hotels, the Westin or the Mar- and none of the lobbies are just, like, stunning or even particularly interesting. Like, mm-hmm. like, go upstairs, you hit the elevator. They might be able to have, like, one of the only, like, amazing jaw-dropping lobbies. And what is what works towards their advantage is you look at the outside of the building and you're like, okay, it's old. And you walk inside and the lobby could just be awesome if a loft knows what they're doing. And I think that's what will be interesting. Uh, as far as I know, a loft hotels have only worked with new construction. They've never inherited this sort of gem. And mm-hmm. so it would be interesting to see if they, you know, can appreciate how to make it a lofty. Right. But still appreciate what is there, which is pretty impressive. Sure. And it's worth noting real quick that, you know, unlike many buildings that have been abandoned for well, even six months, um, the Whitney had security Mm-hmm. On site, so while there was a little bit of scrapping in, you know, elevator machinery, whatever, right? Um, the vandalism is to a minimum. All of the marble wainscoting is still lining the hallways all the way up. You know, it's still in really great shape. So then the argument comes: Well, do you r- rip out all of that stuff? Do you, if you do, do you repurpose it? I mean, I think that's why we're kind of eager to see what happens, what the plan is. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so the you know another big issue around town is uh, involving the state savings bank. Um, is that going to be demo- demoed? Not if we have anything to say about <laughs> it. It sounds the uh, the historic district commission has said no at this point. Although it sounds like they did offer you know the the current owner whose name I can't pronounce, but sure. Mr. A. Yeah, we'll call him Mr. A. He's we're a going with Toronto a- A-pop uh, Toronto real estate investor. So Team A-pop Development um, has been asked to prove that, like, in some way it would be financially beneficial to demo it versus save it. And I think that would be fairly hard to document. But mm-hmm. um, that is actually what took down the uh, Charlevoix, is that it was so crumbling and so financially... Um, you know, unable to be restored, that he prevailed after initially being denied. Um, you know, I don't know if this this group of people are interested in, like, somehow letting it disintegrate for years and then refiling. Like, it seems like a bad business plan, but that's effectively what happened to the Hotel Charlevoix, so it's, it wouldn't be the first time, And, sadly. yeah, I know, say, that's a demolition by neglect is a right. pretty popular business strategy. Yeah, certainly downtown. among a certain pizza owner, yeah. But uh, I think with the State Savings Bank, you can't compare it with the Charlevoix because the Charlevoix had been abandoned for, what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you'd been inside of it, 
the staircase had been ripped out that was shedding bricks on cars, um, wide open to trespass. I mean, it would have cost a fortune to renovate it. And, you know, there's a certain uh, safety issue right. factors in there. No one's going to get hurt by anything falling off of a two-story bank building that's in great shape downtown. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to make sure happens is that while the, the Historic District Commission has said, no, the building's in great shape, you can't tear it down, the city needs to be on Mr. A and make sure that he doesn't, you know, do what happened in the University Club on East Jefferson where a guy who owns a liquor store wanted, he bought it, he wanted to tear it down, there was some concern over it, so he just, well, allegedly had some people go in, mess it up, stripped wood out of all the original woodwork out of it, took a backhoe to the slate roof on the Jefferson side, and then eventually the thing caught on fire. So you have to make sure <laughs> that, you know, you keep an eye on Is that a little developer lightning maybe? Or? Yeah, right, developer lightning. Um, so as long as the city, and I know that it's not top on the city's priority list, budgets are tight, you know, jobs are being cut. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a building that needs to be saved. And I think that when you have people like Dan Gilbert buying some pretty nondescript, boring commercial buildings on Woodward, that would be a building you would think would interest someone like Gilbert, if not Gilbert himself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still in great shape. It's got, it would breeze through any kind of uh, historic tax credits. It's the only example of McKim, Mead & White, which was one of the most prestigious architectural firms in the United States. It's the only example in Detroit. Um, we need to make sure, there are certain buildings that we need to keep a closer eye on than others, and I think this is, is one. We don't want it suddenly catching fire in the middle of the night, for example, when right. it's not in use and no one's working on it. So. Um, though, to play devil's advocate for a second, the, the theory about tearing it down is that it, there needs to be a parking garage or some sort of parking solution for the Penobscot building. Yeah, that was the business theory prevented at the Historic District right. Commission meeting. And, and, and whether or not tearing down another historic building for parking, when there are a number of flat parking lots that conceivably could be purchased and developed into a parking garage there, this is another issue. At the same time, it is difficult for, uh, I think, a historic downtown to maintain itself without any other option to get in and out but cars. How much does the transportation issue play into then the historic preservation issue? It's huge, and it's certainly an, an argument that I think everybody understands. You know, Detroit, you could say, well, in New York and Chicago, they don't, they don't do this. Well, Detroit is far from New York and sure. Chicago. And, you know, you're trying to bring all of these people down to work at the Penobscot building, but 90% of them live in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. There's no effective way or fast way for them to get downtown other than driving. But when, you know... Robbie Lynn, uh, formerly of Data Driven Detroit, did this incredible map that shows just how much of downtown is parking. Right. And it's incredible. It's, you know, two out of five parcels are dedicated to parking or something like that. I mean, but a lot of it, though, is really inefficiently used. I mean, it's these little lots that hold a certain number sure. of cars and it's right. one story. Yeah. Right. So then Mr. A needs to go and buy one of these surface lots and put a parking garage on it if that's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no shortage of parking downtown. There, The city has more parking now as the city has declined and more buildings have been torn down for parking than it did when it was a bustling downtown, even in the 1970s, 
and 80s when you could make the argument that a lot of people were still commuting. I mean, there's a sure. way to do it. And I think that whether it's, I don't know how preservation rolls in Toronto or Mr. A is from, but Detroit's a city that can't afford to just throw away, you know, architectural gems and buildings that have a future. And I'm not talking about things like the Lee Plaza or the East Town Theater. I mean, buildings that are arguably, even the Charlevoix, mm -hmm. arguably past the point of no return. Right. But the state state savings bank is now nowhere even close to that. You could basically walk in, flick a light switch, blow some dust off of the countertops, and you're good to go. You know, it's right. A, it's an incredible building. Yeah, those bank buildings are were built to withstand almost anything. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, banks. You, could, you could drive a car through it with a bomb on it, and it, right. the thing would still be standing. Right. So, um, speaking of, of buildings that were supposed to withstand almost anything, um, the half-finished jail, as, as your publication, sir, calls it, the failed jail. Um, somehow we have all these flat, this flatland in Detroit that no one wants to build on. We have a half-finished, hulking, over-budget jail that's never going to be completed, and it seems like everyone wants it. What's up with that? I'm not sure why everyone wants it, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm not sure how it got built in the first place, but uh, it, is, it is a hot mess. Um, what are the proposals right now for the jail right now? The most promising thing is what, soccer stadium? Well, that's that's what our, our friend from Toronto, Mr. A, wants to do. Right. Uh, uh, Gilbert wants it for his, conceivably as part of the Greektown Casino Entertainment District. Uh, and I, there are a couple other bidders, right? I wouldn't necessarily argue more. that the jail should be housing, but the conversation we were having previously about people having to drive downtown for work, I would argue downtown could support a lot more housing. I mean... So far, Dan Gilbert has how many buildings and which ones are residential? Like, he keeps adding office space. Mm -hmm. In some ways, he might not be helping the other, you know, office building owners because we're just flooding the market with commercial. Like, what about residential? Like, in Manhattan, people walk to work because they live near it. It's part of the parking problem. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not usually one that is quick to defend things about Dan Gilbert, but... At the same time, he's a guy who has a lot of employees, so right. it's like we can't just have one person do downtown. Like, he's a commercial guy. He's right. He has a vision for commercial and retail. Like, where's the guy that has a vision for, like, housing? You know, as far as I know, rental rates downtown are, I mean, things are pretty much 98% occupied. I think more people would live down there if people would put more money into renovating things into residential units. Not that any of the renovations have been spectacular, but they will fill themselves and pay for themselves, so. Mm-hmm. Dan, as we were walking into our studio here in the Computer Building, we looked, we noticed the uh, you pointed out the uh, old Hudson site or the I Beam Farm is the Girder Farm, Girder Farm mm -hmm. as you like to call it. So here is a site. This is a pr premium site on Woodward Avenue. It's been primed for development, as the kids like to say, for 15 years. Since entire part, entire city block, parking garage, parking garage. Mm -hmm. No one has wanted it, and yet this jail people are clamoring to to spend money to tear it down and build something else. I, how does that work? I mean, it's really sort of symptomatic of dysfunction, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think that people have kind of forgotten about Hudson's. It's been so long. Right. I mean, Dan Gilbert had that uh, international design competition. Granted, there was no promise that the winning design was going to be built. But, right. You know, trying to get people talking about it again. I'm glad to see um, people interested and say, hey, here's a fail jail. Here's a problem. Let's try to fix it instead sure. of letting it fester forever. The fail jail is on the freeway, I guess. I don't, I'm not really sure, you know, why. I think that if residential is the way you go, that's fine. But I think that something like 1300, mm -hmm. the police headquarters designed by Albert Kahn, obviously the police department's got new right. digs. 
uh, over in the former temporary MGM uh, casino site there. Uh, what happens to 1300? That would be prime residential. Sure. Um, there are spaces above some of the more uh, commercial-looking buildings over there. You know, I think that we could probably do the fail jail too, but again, why not downtown? Uh, the loss of Merchants Row, which is directly across the street from Hudson's, is almost always full. The Broderick Tower is at like 98%. Um, the Kales building, despite its owner's problems, right. uh, financial problems, is still nor north of 90%. Uh, the Fife Apartments, once the world's tallest shoe store, uh, <laughs> that's st still doing pretty well. The um, former Milner Hotel, or the Ashley, I guess right. they're calling it now, is being converted into residential. So we're starting to see more. But what and Midtown is full. I mean, let's well, not Midtown forget that. Midtown is full. And Corktown. I mean, I have a number of friends who've been trying to find a place in Corktown. And you right. Corktown doesn't have apartment buildings. It's there are a couple, but they're, they're yeah, there's small. one big one that's on Porter. Uh, next to Mudgies. <clears throat> Which is still nothing compared to downtown now. Right. But then you also have those former state office buildings that are on the Lodge Freeway right. and Howard. Uh, those are not being used for anything other than filming. So there's already a bunch of stuff that is built that is either being converted into residential or could be converted into residential. And so building a, a, an entire city block out, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the reason why you're not seeing a lot of people um, bending over backward and, and jumping on that investment is because they're still not sure what Detroit's future is going to be. You got the bankruptcy, you know, you got, um, is this, yeah, it's trendy to live in downtown Detroit, but I don't want to be the guy who builds a $300 million uh, all apartment building mm -hmm. um, and then have Detroit become passe again and people give up on it and then I have. $300 million building I can't use, can't pay back. For sure. I mean, back in the, before the, the mortgage meltdown, I mean, we talked about we're going to turn 1001 Woodward into residential. There was a uh, project up in Midtown, Nine on Third, that I think people are living in it now, but it, it went bankrupt without any tenants after it was built. Um, Sarah, from a, a real estate standpoint, how much does the bankruptcy affect the downtown real estate market? Well, that's part of why I was suggesting people build more rental units. Everyone still has trouble getting a mortgage in Detroit. I mean, even Quicken Loans is right downtown. I don't have any information that they're any more intelligent about lending uh, to, to homeowners in Detroit than anyone else. People have real problems, and they have real problems with appraisals, which is why developers who want to build rentals would probably be more successful at this point. So, so the rental market is sort of steady as she goes bankruptcy is not their concern. I don't I don't see how the bankruptcy should affect the rental market if people still have jobs down here. Um, I think that the problem of, of getting loans from banks is the same as it has always been because they look at, you know, comparables and they see so many foreclosures and the bankruptcy is probably not going to help with their perspective on that. Um, and, th and that's a serious ongoing problem and why we still kind of need big developers to take over big buildings because, you know, the average person can't get the right loan to redevelop it even though they have the vision and they understand. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really hard conversation to have with a bank at this point and they hold the money. Sure. All right. Well, uh, last question for you guys. If we're to come back here in 18 months, what's going to be the best, what's going to be the biggest downtown real estate success and what's going to be the biggest, say, disappointment? <laughs> well, it's hard to imagine the jail not being disappointing, you know, like I feel like the best case scenario for the jail, and that's sad, is just like they stop putting money into it, like they stop the bleeding, stop, stop spending, but it just sits there and nothing happens. I could easily see that happening, which is still better than spending more money on it. 
and the what do you, what do you think could be the the biggest success? I mean, I feel like the David Whitney has all the ingredients of being the biggest success. Nothing else has um, that sort of momentum right now, but it's hard to say. I think that based on what we have going on, I mean, the Whitney is going to take, it'll be 18 months yeah. before it reopens. Sure. And I don't foresee any other major developments. There's not going to be a Tiger Stadium development, mm. sorry to say, <laughs> um, or anything like that in 18 months. That actually months. might not be the worst thing to happen for Tiger Stadium is to leave it as it is right it's now. It's like the jail. Just don't mess with it anymore. It's like That's a success except story. Except people are using Tiger Stadium, you know? Like, yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, know, illegally, right, yeah, right, 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 under threat yeah. of uh, threat trespassing. But uh, I, so I think I have to go with the Whitney as well. I do think that there are a couple more projects, maybe up in Midtown, the Strathmore on uh, Alexandrian and Woodward, an old mm -hmm. hotel. It's it's the abandoned giant red building across the street from the Magic Stick and Great Lakes, like Kitty Corner from Great Lakes. Right. Um, that that could be a success. I think that Midtown still will have an insatiable demand for residential. Biggest disappointment, uh, I think that we're going to still see a number of buildings like the Book Tower, um, the United Artists Theater, which is owned by the Illich family, the Detroit Life Building, which is owned by the Illich family. All of those guys that you've seen some movement on them, I don't see those going anywhere. And until someone like a Dan Gilbert, preferably someone else, just so not all of downtown's controller sure. guy, comes in and starts putting his money you know, where his mouth is, I think that those are going to remain dormant and, you know, provide more of the urban decay and ruin porn stuff that Detroit's been trying to shake for a long time. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. And uh, hopefully maybe a few months we'll come back and uh, see where we are. So it seems like it's changing every day. So. See you in 18 months. Absolutely. Take care. Bye.